United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. The uh, situation in South Sudan has just been uh, a problem for for quite some time. Uh, The the warring factions uh, between two leaders uh, have been engaged in a civil war for several years, but uh, there is hope that that could be ending soon. And to to discuss that, we're joined by Peyton Kanoff, coordinator of the South Sudan Senior Working Group at the U.S. Institute of Peace, uh, who tweets at Peyton Kanoff, that's uh, P-A-Y-T-O-N-K-N-O-P-F. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me, Kent. Uh, so let, let's start about let, let's start off and, and talk about where things stand in efforts to to end all this bloodshed. Uh, how how are things going? Is there reason to be hopeful? Uh, unfortunately, there's there's not much reason to be hopeful uh, right now, Kent. What we've seen is a is a political and, and negotiating process that has largely uh, stagnated. Uh, and uh, the levels of violence, the, the significance um, of the humanitarian crisis, the magnitude of the humanitarian crisis continues relatively uh, unabated. And uh, sadly, we haven't seen the kind of leadership from the United States uh, that would really be required uh, to find a negotiated settlement to this very brutal uh, civil war. So aside from the, the basic humanitarian concerns uh, about about all of this, um, what direct interest does the United States have in, in wanting to either get involved or at least to, to keep a close eye on, on what's happening in South Sudan? Well, Kent, you know, one of the things that we've looked at at the U.S. Institute of Peace over the last uh, you know year or 18 months uh, is how the war in South Sudan fits within a broader geopolitical puzzle, uh, not just in the Horn of Africa and East Africa, uh, but even on the other side of the Red Sea. And what we've seen, what's really come into focus is that uh, the western side of the Red Sea and the eastern side of the Red Sea uh, increasingly function as as a common political and security arena in which the United States has a number of significant, uh, significant interests. First and foremost, uh, the United States uh, remains uh, committed to uh, promoting international peace uh, and stability. And uh, this is sadly uh, has long been a very unstable region, not just in South Sudan, but in, uh, in Somalia and Yemen, uh, in Sudan uh, itself. Uh, and elsewhere. Uh, And the United States invests significant uh, resources, uh, not just military uh, resources for counterterrorism, but development and security assistance, uh, military uh, assistance to help uh, some of the security forces in this region uh, become more uh, capable. Um, In addition, the the Red Sea uh, is one of the primary world uh, trade routes, uh, maritime trade routes through which uh, $700 billion uh, approximately each year transits. And it's, in fact, the primary trade route between Asia and, uh, and Europe uh, and is of vital importance, not just to the United States in that regard, but to our uh, closest European uh, allies. And finally, uh, this region is, is very much uh, has to be considered in the context uh, of sort of broader uh, and evolving competition between the United States and China, uh, and in particular, the connections uh, that this broader Red Sea region, uh, this region lying between uh, encompassing uh, not just the Gulf, uh, but East Africa as well and, and up to Egypt, uh, how that links into uh, into that evolving U.S.-China competition in the Indo-Pacific. 
Talking with Peyton Knopf, coordinator of the South Sudan Senior Working Group at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Uh, we're talking about uh, about South Sudan and the conflict there, but uh, there's some better news uh, elsewhere in that region. Uh, Ethiopia and Eritrea have, uh, I guess, reached an agreement uh, on peace, and, and there's uh, hope that, that that could stick. It's a very. There are some very hopeful signs coming out of their content. Uh, and in fact, uh, how that has how that has come to be, uh, in fact, underscores uh, one of the points that I was just making. Um, this is something that the United States uh, has has long been trying to to broker this this sort of nascent detente between Ethiopia and Eritrea, um, but not insignificantly, uh, the United Arab Emirates uh, seems to have played uh, a very instrumental role uh, over the last year. Uh, and helping to support uh, those those private negotiations uh, between uh, Ethiopia and Eritrea to defuse uh, one of the sort of longest-standing uh, quote frozen conflicts in East Africa, uh, and uh, and that's been very positive. I think the question that it raises now uh, is how uh, some of that nascent progress can be sustained uh, and built upon uh, to start uh, diffusing some of the broader tensions uh, in the region. And that will require, uh, as I've uh, alluded to uh, in the context of South Sudan, uh, some more sustained leadership from the United States. Uh, given the uh, state of our State Department uh, and and some of the uh, more uh, urgent concerns that the administration has in other parts of the world. Uh, are, is, is there uh, much of a chance that the United States is going to be paying the kind of attention to this region and its welfare that it needs to be doing? Well, I certainly hope so. You know, I think one of the challenges that, uh, that afflicts uh, U.S. policy for this region and, and the United States, even preceding the Trump administration, has struggled to articulate a coherent strategic uh, vision uh, for dealing with a lot of these interlinked challenges, um, and part of that is uh, is again it's not a it's not a factor of one administration or another. It's more a question of how uh, the institutions of U.S. foreign policy tend to be siloed uh, and not very well equipped to deal with issues that, for example, uh, bridge different regions, as we've just been talking about. So uh, in the State Department, uh, as you as you mentioned, uh, you have the folks who deal with uh, with Africa, and then you have the folks who deal uh, with the Arab world. And uh, it's very hard to bridge some of those institutional divides to develop and then execute uh, a comprehensive uh, U.S. strategy for these cross-cutting issues in a way that advances U.S. interests. And other countries are, uh, are paying more attention to that region. I, I think that's right. I think one of the things that we've seen uh, emerge, and as you mentioned, there's been some positive developments, uh, but there's also been some negative uh, and destabilizing developments uh, in terms of uh, other external powers competing for influence in this region. So, for example, uh, you've seen the um, the rift between Saudi Arabia and the Emirates on one hand and Qatar on the other hand uh, that came about uh, in the summer of last year uh, being sort of exported to the Horn of Africa. Um, and, uh, in fact, those powers picking sides, for example, in Somalia, which has further uh, contributed to instability uh, in that country, which has struggled for some years for uh, for uh, coherence and uh, and uh, and you know been struggling uh, with with some significant security challenges that have only been exacerbated by the export of that rivalry there. Uh, you've seen the increasing influence of China, uh, as I mentioned, uh, in this region, which is not inherently destabilizing. But the challenge that I think we see is that. 
um, uh, it, it's the it's the second and third order consequences of this competition uh, being layered on top of an already volatile region um, where uh, you've seen uh, no shortage of conflicts, no shortage of states um, that have struggled for uh, for viability, uh, and that has a population uh, that uh, will uh, increase by by 105 percent in the next 40 years. Uh, so uh, this is somewhere that I think we need to keep a very close eye on, Kent. Uh, and and uh, as we've been discussing, it really does require uh, a more sophisticated, uh, more coherent, uh, and more robustly executed U.S. strategy to deal with some of these longer-term challenges. Well, Peyton Knopf, thank you for uh, turning our attention to this. Good talking with you. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, Peyton is a coordinator of the South Sudan Senior Working Group at the U.S. Institute of Peace, and you can find him on Twitter at Peyton Kanoff. That's P-A-Y-T-O-N-K-N-O-P-F. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.